for our listeners who don't know, how excited are you to be a dad? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all coming. If you don't know this, I am going to have a baby Woo-hoo. in January. Yeah, I Come am on. super pumped. Yeah, we, yeah, we are very excited. Anna told me on Mother's Day. So mm. that was just perfect timing and still, still in shock. I still don't believe it that it's happening, but... My wife is starting to show she has a tiny bump, so it's starting to get a little real, you know? Wow, so, that's crazy. Yeah. There's a living, growing little baby inside of her. I Isn't know. that crazy? It's wild. Like, there's literally a human being inside of my wife. So Wow. I'm just saying. So, yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited for our podcast today because we are going to be talking about worship. And today, obviously, we have Leo on the podcast. And so, Leo, before we get into our topic, could you just introduce yourself? Like, how did you become a Christian? Hmm. And how did you end up working for a salt company, leading worship? Yeah. So, my name is Leo. I am the worship leader for Salt Company St. Paul. I've been doing that for, I'm coming on three years now doing that, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I've been a Christian for, I would say, over a decade. Um, yeah, to kind of keep it short, there's never there was never like a day where I'm like, yes, I am a Christian. Uh, I just started, like my mom had put me at a Christian school, and that was the last thing I wanted. Long story short, met this guy who I became really good friends with, and he ended up having cancer and it like a like a few months into our friendship and it was really hard for me and it caused me to pursue Jesus through that suffering that he was going through and to pray uh, for him and I started to just dive into scripture more and at some point started going to a really healthy church and really just grew in my passion and so at some point learned how to play guitar and was like yeah I want to learn how to be a worship leader so there's never like a specific uh, time or day, but I feel like just over the years just really grew in my faith through the people that poured into me through the school that I went to. I went to a school called Ocean's Edge School of Worship, which is a worship school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but it was more of a discipleship school and they really, yeah, just took a lot of time to pour into me. And so, yeah, I would say that's kind of my story to kind of keep it short. So happy to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as I was thinking about topics for podcasts to do, I was like, man, we should really do one on worship because everyone knows about like worship. That's like the time that like the few songs we sing before the sermon and a few songs afterwards. But it is so much more than that. Like the Bible, when it talks about worship, is so much more than um the corporate worship setting. And so I wanted to bring Leo on because obviously you're our worship leader and this is your job to be thinking about this mm-hmm. and um, to be uh, um, thinking of worship songs to sing at Salt Company. And so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and to just talk about this topic and what it actually means for us. Mm-hmm. And so the first question that I have for you, would you be able to just define the word worship? I feel like a lot of people growing up in the church have heard this word but what does it actually mean yeah i'll keep this definition short i didn't take this from any well-known theologian i took this from webster's dictionary actually so (laughs) worship is defined as giving honor or to show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power to regard with great or extravagant respect or devotion that is Mm -hmm. the definition of worship and i think that's honestly the best way to describe it so 
Mm-hmm. How does that definition play into a Christian's life? Hmm. Yeah, I would say like, because I feel like the next question was going to be the purpose of worship. So I would say like how it would play into it is to give full honor to Jesus, describe honor, glory, and worth to him. Um, just to remember daily what he did on our behalf and carry it with us day to day. And, you know, I think of that word devotion that's mentioned in the end of the definition. Um, yeah, worship is devotion. And I feel like as a worship leader, I've learned that, um, you know, like, I place great regard in this skill and I want to get better at it. And I feel like, you know, if I want to be developed as a worship leader, I'm going to devote my time in spending time on my instrument, watching other worship leaders or musicians and engaging in scripture. You know, I feel like as Bob Coughlin put it, if you can't be a faithful worship, you can't be a faithful worship leader without knowing your Bible. And so Hmm. I feel like as a Christian, you, you place your time, your devotion, your energy into him. So that's really good. Mm. As you were talking, it reminded me of Romans 12, one where it says, therefore I urge you brethren. And then keeps going Mm -hmm. to present your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your spiritual service of worship. Mm. And so as you were talking about devotion, worship isn't just musical worship, Mm -hmm. but it is an all body all of life thing to where we give god like praise and glory that he deserves because i feel like a lot of our students who are listening in feel that worship is only the musical part of like worshiping like singing songs which is that is part of it but foundationally worship is an everyday thing that we do that is continuous that is continually giving god glory Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent so leo what is your current favorite worship song right now? <laughs> oh man, that's so tough. <laughs> um, oof, I would say, I would say my favorite song. I go back and forth, but I would say my favorite worship song is "Son of Suffering." Mm. It's my favorite song to lead for sure. But if you just like listen to the lyrics. It just gives you this whole, I don't even know what the word is, but it just gives you a better understanding of the humanity of Jesus. Because I think we forget that he was fully, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he endured the troubles that we also felt and had the same emotions that we kind of feel, you know, and he wasn't this impersonal, distant, um, god who discipled you know he had emotions too and yeah i I, that's just kind of my hope every time i lead that song you know on thursday night is that people would know that jesus is close and personal and he understands what you feel and go through and so yeah i would say that's my favorite worship song to listen to and to lead as well it's a banger song of suffering yeah so good every single time yeah never gets old i there's songs that slowly phase out of Soul Company, but that one is, it's not going to phase out. You know, if we don't overdo it, it's not going to phase out. Yeah. Talk about that more, like phasing songs out of Soul Company. Because hmm. I remember when I was a student way back when there would be songs that we would sing, but we don't sing them anymore. So what is hmm. like your thought process behind kind of phasing out songs? I read the room, you know, I, I read the room. I, I remember 
and I don't want to use like the word like mistake. Like I think the biggest mistake I made was choosing this song and doing it for a while. Like I think certain songs had its seasons. Um, but I think of the song, I belong to Jesus and it was like, I'll be honest, like tough the first two or three times, but then eventually people got into it, you know, and started to understand. And it was a weird song. And I, I was in this like, like, yeah, I want to choose a different type of worship song, you know? And I just, I could read the room and they were having trouble following along. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is a song that will fit in a corporate setting you know and so it's all about just reading the room and like is this congregation like understanding like i think of like the story that isaac shared with me of a song that he did in iowa city called faithful to the end by bethel music incredible worship song but told me like the congregation just did not get into it and he did it for a while and eventually just had to phase out because we're here you know, we're here to serve the church, the local church. We don't want to just do like what's hot, what's new, what, what song am I relating most with? We want to do songs that are, are singable for the church or for Saul company and also theologically sound, of course, you know? And so that's just kind of my process. I just think about like, like, will this fit well with the congregation? And yeah, there's certain, like even another in the fire, like we have, we didn't do it as much in the second semester because it's been around for a while and I could read the room like, yeah, this song we've done a hundred times, you know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't want to phase it out quite yet, but we're going to do it like once every two months, I think, okay. you know, something like that. I just kind of like think logically, like how often should we do it? You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. This isn't a question that I asked you to prep on, but one that I was thinking of just a few minutes before this. If you could say there was a right way to worship, what would it be? Like, yes, that's my question. Hmm. A right way to worship. Wow. Yeah, for like a lack of a better term, right way. Or like the most glorifying way to worship God. I feel like you will become a better, like if you, let's say you want to be a worship leader, right? You will become a better worship leader if you're worshiping in private more than in public. Hmm. Um, wow. The best compliment I've ever received. And this is not, for those who are listening, this is not to boast. Um, well, the best compliment I ever received uh, was in 2016. I had a guy at a church I was interning at come up to me. And this was like during the time I was single and I had a little bit more time on my hands, but I was just engaged in the Lord and I was just, just saturated in his word and just spending so much time. I would have just late night worship sessions, uh, just by myself in the sanctuary of the church. And it was just beautiful. And I had a guy come up to me after a service and say, I could tell that you spend a lot of time with Jesus. And that was the best compliment. So mm. Uh, the right way to worship is to worship in private before you worship in public. So Wow. That's really good. Hmm. And what I was hearing as you were talking was that the more that we know of Jesus, the more that it leads us to true worship. Mm -hmm. The more time that we actually spend with him, the more that we learn about his character, that is actually what fuels us to yeah. worship better. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I... I've just, I've seen a lot of worship leaders over the years. Uh, like 
I think one of my, I think I, I, I go back and forth of like, who, who's like a worship leader that I admire? And I'm between Jeremy Riddle and Phil Wickham. And like, those are the two that I just gain a lot of inspiration from. I love Phil Wickham's worship leading because he, most of his songs are about heaven. And you could just tell that he he wants to see his creator face to face. And so I just love that. And Jeremy Riddle, like when he leads, it's just him and the Lord. Like he has forgotten about the audience, the congregation. It is just him and the Lord. And so, yeah, I don't know where I was getting with that, but that's just like inspiration I've just drawn over the years. And so, yeah. Man, Phil Wickham never misses. No. Him of heaven? Him of heaven. Oh my goodness, chef's kiss. Yeah, I... I actually was listening to it on the way here and I was like, this would be a really good song for Salt Company, but don't hold me to it. Don't, you know, be like, where's him of heaven? (laughs) But yeah, I'm already like kind of mentally preparing for like fall retreat. I'm like, what are some good songs we could do? You know? And I feel like that would be one of the bangers, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Speaking of picking songs, Mm -hmm. what is the process for you as the worship leader of Salt Company for picking songs for us to sing? Is it just like, oh, we show up on a Thursday and you just kind of pick random songs, whatever you feel like you want to play? Or is there actually like a process that you go through? Yes, that's a great question. Um, I took a lot of time on this one because, you know, I pick songs. I think I've learned over the years, especially like in the last, I would say in the last five years, you can't just pick random songs right you you got to pick songs that have good theology and you know you know i pick songs based on what the message is what is the heart what is the theology behind it and i've learned over the years like my job is not simply to just gather people get their attention like hey we're gonna we're gonna sing some songs because this is what we do every week um no but it's it's to shepherd and to teach who christ is through music um colossians 3 16 says let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god so my job as a worship leader is to let his word dwell in me and to teach who christ is through music and so that's one thing but from a practical sense i pick the songs based on the sermon for what you know like what we're going to teach on hopefully will align with the message And this might sound weird, but I also, I picture myself leading the song and I ask myself, is this going to fit with Salt Company? Is this congregational? And so I want to give two examples, one of a song that we do at Salt Company on a regular basis and one of a song that we don't do and why we don't do it. So number one, the song that we do at Salt Company, Another in the Fire by Hillsong United. It's, It's an incredible worship song. It's surprisingly i mean it's not old but it's been out for almost yeah actually a little over four years which is kind of crazy it's an incredible song so i want to read i want to read the second course of the song to you real quick so whoever's listening just really lean in and listen on this so this is chorus two of another in the fire there is another in the fire standing next to me there is another in the waters holding back the seas and should i ever need reminding what power sets me free there is a grave that holds no body, and now the power lives in me. Catchy tune, right? That's great. I love the theology behind it. And you're probably thinking, wow, that's such a beautiful metaphor. But it's not just that. This is actually what happened in Scripture. So another in the fire, it's going to make me think of Daniel 3. So if you 
Uh, know the story of Daniel 3. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are threatened by King Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, if you don't worship this golden image that I have before you, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Long story short, they stand firm in their faith. They get thrown into the fire, and they come out unscathed. They come out unharmed. But this is where, uh, where it says in Daniel 3.25 what King Nebuchadnezzar says. He said, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Okay. So Jesus rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not from a distance, not from heaven. He went in the fire with them and protected them. And so go to the next line. There's another in the waters holding back the seas. It's going to make me think of Mark four, where Jesus calms the raging sea. All right. And then the next line, and should I ever need reminding what power sets me free, there is a grave that holds no body. All right, a grave that holds no body. It's going to think, make me think of the resurrection, the central message of Christianity that Jesus arose from the dead, and now the power lives in me, the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises us the helper, the Holy Spirit to live in us. And that's, that song is just literally pointing us to the truth, to Scripture. Even the last line, which is my favorite line of the song, I'll count the joy, come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. James 1, 2, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. So another in the fire literally not only just points us to who Jesus is, but to the word of God. And so that's my hope for when I do songs at Saul Company, that you know when we sing these songs, that it would actually point people to scripture and make them pursue. And so that's the example of a song that we do at Salt Company. Now I want to give an example of a song that we have not done, and it actually has been requested over the years, and it's the song Gratitude by Brandon Lake. Now, for those who are listening, before you jump on and say, whoa, what does Leo have against gratitude? I just want to preface. I have absolutely nothing wrong with that song. In fact, I listened to it this morning. Love it. It is an incredible worship song. But I want to pose a question to you. Even though it is a great worship song, I want you to ask yourself this about gratitude if you've heard it before. Is this song congregational? So let's explore. I'm going to read the chorus and the bridge of the song. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah, a hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, so that's the chorus. Nothing wrong there. I don't see anything theologically inaccurate. It's great. Now we go to the bridge. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song, because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Okay, so I don't see anything wrong here. And you're probably wondering, all right, so why don't we do this song at Salt Company? This song is incredible, lyrically creative and well put. But here's what hinders me from doing it at Salt Company. This song, and I... And I just want to again preface, this is not a dig at Brandon Lake. This is not a dig at the song. But this song doesn't give you the reason on why we are to praise God. Hmm. So listen to the verses. I want you to do the homework because I'm not going to read the verses to you. But listen to the verses before the chorus and the bridges. Does it tell you of the character of Christ or what he has done in the verses? And there's nothing wrong, again, with the chorus and the bridge. But it's a song that simply reminds you to worship. And that's okay. It's a song of lament, and in his lament, he chooses to worship, and I, th- and I honestly think it's meant more for private than public worship. Like, I actually had a friend recently go through 
go through a hardship. I'll leave him nameless, but he went through something really hard. And he told me this is the song that he chose in his time of worship. And I was like, that's incredible. I love that. And to give some credit to Brandon Lake, I will say the only lyric that mentions his character is, I could sing these songs as often I, as often I do, but every song must end and you never do. It mentions his omnipotence, but that's it. And so at the end of the day, my job is to shepherd those in the congregation and teach them who Jesus is and why he's worthy through music. I want to make it clear, that, again, that there's nothing wrong with doing songs of lament in a corporate setting. Um, I actually want to give one more example, not to keep extending this question, but I want to give an example of a song that we do on Sunday mornings called Fix My Eyes by King's Kaleidoscope. Uh, big shout out to Isaac Schmidt, who uh, has done this song uh, really well, and it's incredible. I want to read the verse of it, the very first verse where it says, When my heart is weary, when my soul is weak, when it seems I can't traverse the trail before me, And then the next line says, I survey the glory of your agony and I find the will to fight for what's before me because you ran the race enduring for your glory. The author of the song is giving a reason to his listeners on why we worship in the midst of heart, in the midst of hardship. And that's what I, that's what I want to do in a corporate setting is give a reason on why Jesus is worthy and share of his suffering, sharing of the agony that he endured on our behalf. Because this author is saying, I'm tired, I'm weary, but this is what Jesus did, and so I'm going to keep running after him. It is so cool to hear your process of picking songs at Salt Company. Because I don't think, even though I'm on staff, I don't think I've personally appreciated the care and the work and the thought that actually goes into picking a song. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the reason why I also wanted to ask you this question was because I want our students to trust you. I want them to know that you're just not flippantly picking songs to sing on a Thursday night, but Mm -hmm. you are actually looking at the theology. You're looking at the lyrics and thinking critically, does this make sense? Does this song make, give us a reason to worship God? And Mm -hmm. so, really cool to like see how your thought processes work with that mm, thing yeah i i'm very careful like even like just to add to that i'm i've been that worship leader in the past who always picks the next hot worship song that just came out um but it's very rare when i do that nowadays like i remember when we introduced homecoming two years ago i introduced that song I think three or four days after it was released, which I I, I don't like 100% recommend doing that. But I was like, this is such a powerful song. And it makes me think of the prodigal son story and how um, God pursues us in that way. And it's a song we still do. And so I sometimes like in my worship leading feel far behind in songs. I pick like Underdressed uh, by Gable Price. That song came out like three years ago and we just introduced it. And I I don't really think about that sometimes. Like, oh man, but this song's been out for a while. Or even like Good Grace that we did last year. That song's been out the same amount of time as Another in the Fire. But I'm like, these truths still hold the same. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What is something about worship that most people get wrong or like what is a common misconception with praise and worship Hmm. yeah there's definitely a lot of things we could get wrong for sure um and yeah what i'm about to share i feel like like i don't say this out of a place of perfection or righteousness but i want to just share that you know we forget 
that worship is a daily discipline. It is not a once a week activity, but a daily routine routine that I myself and others fall short in. Um, Worship is not meant to make ourselves feel better after going through a hard week. And yes, if you are going through a difficult time or a hard week, you should run to Jesus. Um, Because here's the thing, the end result of our worship will be full satisfaction in Christ Jesus. Uh, As John Piper beautifully put it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But if the only reason we seek Jesus is to get this feeling, this kind of spiritual high, that feeling is going to flee instantly, and that's not true God-honoring worship. And so with that being said, we aren't meant to worship only in good seasons. We're called to worship in the midst of suffering, not forsaking him because he didn't forsake us. You know, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but Jesus remained silent before his accusers. And again, when he was nailed to that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so worshiping in the midst of suffering is important. And I want to give two short examples. I want to give one that's a little lighter and one that's a little heavier. So I want to start with the lighter example on what it means to look like in worshiping in the midst of suffering. So on the lighter side. So if you've been Going to Saul Company in the last year, you'll probably remember this one infamous Saul Company where we introduced I Thank God and had a little dance party on the stage and everybody ran up. It was crazy. It was wild. Did not expect it to go down that way, but it happened. But I want to preface, um, I was just having a really hard week. I was Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday just literally sucked. I was just down. And that was the same week that... Um, there was a shooting in Nashville at a Christian school and I was just down, depressed. And the last thing I wanted to do is not only just not worship, but to end on a dance party. I was like, I I don't want to do this right now. But then I thought of Philippians four. This is what it says. Philippians four, verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul doesn't say rejoice when it's convenient. He doesn't say rejoice when life is going your way. He says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And so in that moment, I had two choices. I could just pout in the corner and not worship, or I could give God-honoring worship by ending on a victory dance and just shouting for joy because that's what we're called to do. And so that was the lighter example. The heavier one is this, and... um, Yeah, for those who are listening, I just, you know, if you are going through, yeah, a really difficult season, if you're going through maybe even the hardest season of your life, I just want to ask that you lean in on this. Um, So last year, uh, my wife and I attended a funeral for a family friend that I didn't know, but she knew and grew up with. And, you know, I've gone to quite a bit of funerals. And even for people I don't know, I don't think there's ever such thing as an easy funeral to attend. And... This one was a little a little more difficult because this was a young young man. He was, I believe, 20 or 21, and he ended up taking his life. And it was really hard just seeing families and friends that I didn't know, just grieving. But I'll never forget, uh, before the service started, the mother of this child had requested uh, for worship music to be playing in the speakers. And before the service started, she stood in front of the casket, in front of her dead son, raising her hands to Jesus and singing praise. And in that moment, I just thought, 
that is what it means to worship in the midst of suffering. That is what it means to follow Jesus, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing. And I share this story because over the years, I have seen a lot of people in my life just fall away from Jesus. People who have actually discipled me, people who actually attended the school that I did to become worship leaders and don't follow Jesus anymore. And I want to just kind of wrap up with a quote from one of my favorite books I've ever read, Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence and Frank Lawback. This is what Brother Lawrence wrote on August 3rd, 1666 on suffering. He says, we ought to give ourselves up to God in things that are temporal as well as in things that are spiritual. We should seek our satisfaction only in fulfilling his will. If he leads us into suffering or if he leads us into comfort, our satisfaction should still only be for the fulfilling of his will. For both suffering and comfort are the same to a soul truly resigned to him. And so Christian, if you're listening right now and you're going through a really difficult season, you just don't know how to pursue Jesus in the midst of your suffering, keep on fighting because he is so worth it and he is with you in the fire. Wow, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like a common misconception that people have about worship is that they feel that worship is for them. It is for them to feel better. It is for them to have a spiritual experience. And so could you just kind of speak into that a little bit? Yes. I, I remember saying this at a worship night one time, just like of why we're here to worship. And I remember the first thing I said, I was like, I don't mean to come off as offensive, but we're not doing this for you. Like, this is not for you. Like, I've, I've heard people say, ah, oh, just having a hard week. I just want to, I want to just throw this song on so I could feel better. And it's like, that's not, that's not correct. Like, that's not honestly good theology. Like, if you're treating, you're treating Jesus as this spiritual high or this med, like quick medicine, you know, and it's like, no, we're called to worship no matter what. Because if we're called, if we only worship in good seasons, how are you going to handle tragedy? How are you going to respond in that? And so I think over the years, I've learned that through just a lot of transition, you know, and a lot of like trials that I have faced and that my wife has faced that to not give up and to just keep fighting. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not meant for you. It's only meant for Jesus. So that's really good. And I think when I was a young Christian, I, didn't know that that was supposed to be the case. I didn't know that that was biblical worship because when you're coming out of church, the first question that almost anyone asks you is, what did you think of the service? What did you think of worship? Making it seem like, oh, I'm a consumer in this service meant to consume this music or whatever. And so often people are like, oh, the worship was fine, but I didn't like this one worship song. But I loved (laughs) what you said, like bluntly, that it's not about you. This isn't for you. The reason why we worship is because God deserves it. Yeah. The king of the universe, he created everything. And so it doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter if we're... um, I mean, obviously it matters if we're suffering, but even in any circumstance that we're in, we are called to worship because God deserves it. And it's truly not for us. Mm, Yeah. Amen. That's so true. I 100% agree with that. I once heard a story uh, from 
I think it was Micah Bang. He told me that this guy in Iowa City, like like an older gentleman, came up to him after worship and was like, "I didn't like the way worship sounded today." Just like straight up, and the worship leader went, "Well, we didn't do it for you," and <laughs> just walked no. away. It's true, you know. And I've had those moments before, and it's always awkward because you do want to you do want to serve the congregation, and again, not just do like what's hot and what's popular, but like at the end of the day, like. We're, we're, I mean, yeah, we are here to serve you, but it's not about you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I, going along um, with that, I've once heard that the better, the question of like, what did I think of worship? The better question to that is, what did God think of my worship? Mm. Was my worship honoring and glorifying to God? Yeah. Because even our worship has to be dipped in the blood of Christ. Because so often, even when I'm worshiping, I'm thinking about other things mm-hmm. or I'm thinking about how I look. And so like our worship is still um, wrapped in sin. And so the better question to ask is what did God think of my worship? Yeah, you should always ask that. And I, I need to be better about asking myself that question personally, like because I've had those moments like as a worship leader, like you have to do a lot on the stage and making sure like people are you know playing their parts correctly you're not causing a distraction but it's hard you know it's hard to like be so focused on like the little things but at the end of the day god god is going to be glorified and he's going to be honored and he calls us to do it in excellence 100 percent. but at the end of the day like was my worship honoring to god was i more focused on the details behind the scenes or was i focused on king jesus and leading people to worshiping king jesus what would be your last encouragement for our listeners on this topic Mm. yeah worship goes beyond those four walls on sunday mornings and thursday nights and so i just want to continue encouraging you to keep running after jesus no matter what you're facing, no matter the, like, again, if you're going through a good season, that's great. Keep pursuing Jesus. If you're going through a really hard season, keep running after Jesus. Because if you don't, if you choose not to run after Jesus, your faith will fall flat. Honestly, like there have been so many times where I've seen in myself and friends where I don't run after Jesus in hard, in the hardest uh, circumstances that I face and I just feel weak and I need to call on Jesus. And so, yeah, my encouragement is to just continue running after him and yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think we forget to do that at times. Don't be afraid to ask for accountability or help because that's what the church is here for. So, mm-hmm. and just to encourage you, Leo, I feel like you lead so much out of what you just said. I was just leading out of vulnerability, leading out of pursuing Jesus. And so I just want to thank you for that. And like, I can feel, and I think our students can feel that too, of how your leading in that way shapes the culture, shapes the worship culture specifically in Salt Company. And so really thankful for you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. And so, yeah, that's all that we have for you guys today. Um, Thank you for listening. We will see you guys next week.